Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made, the podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Melvin. Thanks for joining us, guys. If this is your first listen, be sure to check out our introductory mini-sode, which gives you a brief overview of this podcast and introduces you to the cycle of how a bitch is made. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, bitch. Let's continue on our journey, shall we? With this week's story. The following is a true story, as sad as that is for me to admit. Names have been changed to protect both the innocent and the anything but. Chapter 9. Cutting Ties and Saying Goodbye Supposedly, air signs are highly adaptable. Supposedly, astrology is also bullshit. While I have always found some truth to it, I have to admit this is not one of those times. As an Aquarian, I'd hardly describe myself as adaptable. In fact, I hate change, probably more than anything, and I ascertain I'm not the only one. Letting go of things is hard, especially when it comes to something you love that's offered you a sense of comfort and stability for years. That's why, at nearly 34 years old, I still sleep with my childhood blankie. Occasionally. But just as I know that negatively affects my dating life, I know we hold on to things that are as equally harmful to other aspects of our life as well. After seeing a friend's play earlier this year, I couldn't help but relate to the main character, feeling as though I too had been stuck on repeat, without any sense of direction, confused about my individual purpose in life. With every new year, I seemed to reset the needle on an album I had just played, expecting to hear different songs. I never did, of course, and the monotony of playing the same record over and over again was beginning to drive me crazy. I knew something needed to change. I just didn't know what, let alone how much. By the time my birthday rolled around a month later, I found myself wanting to be in accompanied isolation. Basically, I wanted to have my birthday cake and eat it too. You see, I had this burning desire to go to Joshua Tree and try mushrooms for the first time. And while I had no interest in doing them alone and unsupervised, I didn't exactly want to experience them for the first time with just anyone. So, instead, I planned on spending the weekend with my dog and my journal at an Airbnb glamping site located near the National Park. As the date drew nearer, I extended the invite to a few of my close friends. Now, since it's hard enough to get people in LA to drive over the hill to have dinner, I had very little expectation of any of them driving two hours to meet me in the desert. As it turns out, though, the magic of mushrooms goes far beyond ingesting it. When I so much as mentioned I was toying with the idea of taking them to a few of my friends like Emily, 
Oh, man. I wish I wasn't going to Mammoth this weekend. I would totally come and do mushrooms with you. Uh, yeah, especially since we'll be in Joshua Tree. Are you kidding? It's perfect. Yeah, and it'll be good for you too, Rachel. Whenever I have, like, tough decisions to make, or if there's people you want to clear out of your life, mushrooms are great for that. Yeah, they're medicine. Really? Yes. Ooh, actually... Yes! I have one here... Happy birthday. Ah, I get the same chocolate bars. Oh, this is this is going to be so great, Rachel. I will dose you perfectly, I promise. Oddly enough, my friend Mark has always been there whenever I partake in any kind of drug-related activity. He kind of accidentally established himself as a sort of drug spirit guide after getting me home safely when I was roofied at a club in Manhattan seven years earlier. He's only continued to prove himself a reliable and trustworthy guardian ever since. Which is why I found it odd that I began to have second thoughts regarding our scheduled itinerary once Mark and his girlfriend met up with Lillian and me in Joshua Tree that weekend. I don't think I want to take him now. Why? It just... I woke up this morning feeling like maybe I don't want to alter my brain's chemistry. Also, it's my birthday. I really don't want to spend it throwing up. (laughs) Why would you throw up? Because everyone keeps telling me that's what happens when you take mushrooms. Okay, you are way too much in your head, first of all. And second of all, I've never heard of anything about throwing up. Sometimes you can get like a little bit of an upset stomach, but it passes quickly. And honestly, if you eat a little bit of food before, you're good to go. Mm. You brought the chocolate bars, right, that she gave you? Yeah. Those are the best kind. They're perfectly dosed. They're very balanced. and They're easy to digest. I eat them all the time. I don't know. When have I ever given you a reason not to trust me? He hadn't. So, while I'm not usually a likely candidate for peer pressure, I defaulted. Mark tore off a few nibbles before distributing them out to his girlfriend and me, then took some for himself. Lillian passed, offering instead to be the DD, and the audience, to what was sure to be promising entertainment. I suppose I thought all edibles, regardless of their infused drug, would be similar to the medicinal marijuana ones I usually end my nights on. I figured I had about an hour before I'd feel them kick in. You know, like the familiar hum of fluorescent lighting before the bulbs fully illuminate. That's why I couldn't quite figure out what was going on with me once we reached Arch Rock just ten minutes later. Mark was setting up my tripod on a boulder across from the picturesque backdrop, while the rest of us did our best to come up with a pose that mimicked the cover of a rock band you'd already forgotten about. (gasps) Guys, what if we do something like this? What about you go over here? Rachel, you can go over there, and Mark, why don't you just, like, squat and, like, pose? Or how about you just let other people through so they can continue the trail? I turned to see a middle-aged woman in a fishing hat, leaning over her hiking stick, trying to catch her breath. I wondered if maybe that's why a group of overly aware individuals such as ourselves would have missed an otherwise seemingly obvious social cue. Or maybe we were just too preoccupied with the beauty around us to notice things with energy that wasn't. Despite the fact I didn't appreciate this lady's demeanor, I was taken aback by how I chose to address it. I registered all the space around us, referring to it, when I replied with childlike simplicity, You can go ahead. No one's stopping you. All you had to do was ask. It was strange, as if my body had been abducted by someone far more wise and all-knowing. All the characters from inside out had been strapped down in the passenger seat of my control center, forced to bear witness while some other entity conducted myself in the best version possible. Although the characters of my consciousness weren't willing to relinquish their power so easy. 
Anytime they found a hole in my stream of subconscious, they came up for air, immediately addressing their judgmental observations and presenting them before me to assess. As in this instance, when I was transfixed by the leaves of a desert plant. Oh, you are so pretty. <laughs> oh, I see what's happening here. By now, I was well aware the drug had kicked in, which of course gave my consciousness even more reason to panic. Mark, I think I'm going to throw up. I think I'm going to fucking throw up. No, you're not. Hey, look at me. Just breathe. Ready? In. Out. It's literally mind over matter, okay? Your body is just reacting to the poison. It's, you have to tell it that it's not a threat. Poison? Technically, that's what mushrooms are. What do you think makes them so magical? I, I don't... I just... I feel really, really uncomfortable. Like, like I'm separate from my body or something. Yes, that's good. No. I mean, like, I feel like I'm trapped inside of it. Like... It's really fucking hot in here. I can feel the temperature of my blood and I want to get the fuck out. What are you talking about? It's a cool 98.6 degrees in there. Yeah, if that was the temperature out here, I don't think you'd be walking around in a fucking sweater. Only this is my skin and I can't take it off. Okay, breathe. This is part of the transition in. It's always uncomfortable and then it mellows out. I promise you. Whether I ultimately became too distracted by a sudden and very urgent need to pee, or the realization that... I'm actually pretty funny when I'm not concerned with acceptance. The feeling eventually subsided and was replaced with a sense of euphoria and wonder. Wherever I'd arrived, things were simpler there, and I liked it. Oh my god. I get why they call it the gift of life. Uh, what? Look at the world around us. It is legitimately a beautiful gift that none of us take the time to marvel in or appreciate. We're too wrapped up in ourselves and our stupid little lives to see the bigger picture. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I am. Just as Emily had promised, the mushrooms had given me razor-sharp clarity. It was like I suddenly had x-ray vision and the ability to see past all the bullshit in my life. Furthermore, I immediately recognized that I alone had the power to avoid all of it. The only thing I didn't have was the courage to do so. Moving is scary, especially when it's linked to moving on. From people, places, experiences, ideas. But in that moment, I couldn't see how the unknown could be any scarier than the comfort I had known for the past 10 years. That's why, underneath a bright pink fluorescent sky on the first day of my 33rd year, I knew I had to move blindly toward it. Though the drugs wore off a few hours later, it seemed the woman that they'd conjured up had taken over and was there to stay. Over the next few weeks, I watched what felt like someone else pretending to be me make decisions I never would have imagined making. With a force bigger than me dictating my actions, I found myself saying goodbye to a longtime business associate a building that had housed me longer than any other in my entire life, friends I'd spent over a decade forming relationships with, and one guy I thought I'd be with forever. I didn't want to do any of it, but I felt as though I'd given my consent to someone to sift through my emotional hoarding and the permission to throw out whatever they deemed was in my best interest. As I watched movers I'd hired pack up my things, I counted out 10 drops of CBD oil to temper the anxiety fear and emotion were generating. I wasn't sure if I was in the process of destroying my life or finally starting to live it. 
It was easy, of course, to assume I'd been impulsively overreacting to what may very well be the new midlife crisis in your 30s. After all, I was making major life decisions based on a drug-induced epiphany I had only a couple weeks prior. Yet, there was another feeling as equally present inside me, so calm, I couldn't help but revere it. Like a tetherball rod that had been staked securely through my body, I felt completely secure at my core. My intellect may have been the ball, swinging back and forth in various chaotic directions, however dictated by fear, but I was still very much attached to something held solidly in place. The only thing I could do was trust in its strength, give in, and wrap myself around its anchor. Welcome, guys, to the season finale of How Bitches Are Made. Can you believe it's here already? I can't. We have covered so much this season. We've gone over the cycle of How a Bitch is Made, and we've seen it in action multiple times throughout the course of the stories I've shared with you. We've learned the value and importance of knowing ourselves inside and out well enough to implement standards and boundaries. And we've learned the importance of using our voice in an effective way to implement change. This week, we're going to talk about the gift of fear and the power of intuition and what can happen when they come together as one to change the direction of your life entirely and even more so, change you entirely. I remember growing up, my mother always told me that fear really is a gift, especially to women, because it can keep us safe from really negative and bad situations. She always told me that if you find yourself hesitating, it's because your subconsciousness is detecting something serious and it's trying to alert you. And that's true. That's a lot of the times why our nervous system kicks in and accompanies that fear with a physical reaction as well, which I know we've talked about in a few episodes this season. Now, it was a good and bad thing for her to tell me this so young because it did keep me safe. And I do consider myself a very highly intuitive person. I'm very deeply connected with my intuition. And one thing that's really cool about that, as my therapist says, and I told you, I'm always going to refer to her in every episode. um, She says that when you are, you become highly sensitive and you develop like a sixth sense which a lot of times people think, oh, I'm psychic, I'm psychic, but really it's your intuition and subconscious is so heightened that you're able to detect things on a feeling. And that's why a lot of people think that they are um, psychic, which is crazy because a lot of times I'll be thinking about somebody and then my phone will be like, ding, ding, and I'll get a text. I'm like, oh, I bet that's them now. And I'll pick it up and it is. It's just such a weird thing. But anyway, But going back to my mom, so it was a good and a bad thing. And the reason why it was ultimately bad is because now whenever I sense fear, I go into overdrive trying to solve a problem I can't fully see yet. (laughs) I can only sense it. And it gets really distracting and sadly has a big tendency to take me down a really dark road. And that's what happened around the time that I saw my friends play. Now, the play was actually about this guy who didn't feel a sense of purpose, and he ended up thinking that his only purpose was to be with this woman, and she didn't want to be with him, and so he ultimately killed himself. It was a very, very bright, happy play, to say the least. Um, It was really, really heavy, and when I saw it, I didn't know what it was about. I was just there to support a friend. 
And I kind of had been walking around with this heaviness subconsciously anyway. So this play brought a lot of negative feelings to the surface because I needed to confront them. Ultimately, it was a good thing. But I just, um, I went to a really dark place after that, trying to figure out why I didn't feel good and what was going on with me. And what I ultimately felt like was that I was going in circles and spinning my wheels. And I never considered before that complacency was not only a really big fear of mine, if not the biggest, but that that is exactly what I was living in. And that's why I was so bothered. I just didn't realize it. Maybe that's what they mean when they say air signs like change. (laughs) Maybe I missed that. But my understanding with regard to my fear of change is that I get really afraid of making the wrong decision. I think that's something a lot of you can probably relate to also. I've heard my friends echo the same sentiment. That's why, and I never noticed this until around the time of this story, I usually let people or the universe even, make decisions for me. So case in point, when I was 18 in Arizona, growing up in Arizona, you could still gamble at the casinos. I think there was only like three or four months before the law changed and was going into effect that I was able to go gambling, and so I did so with my grandma. She loved to play bingo, so I went to the casino with her one day to play bingo. And I ended up winning the jackpot, and didn't have to split it with anybody, which was crazy. Well, the jackpot was $600. And at the time, that was the exact cost of the acting classes that I was looking at taking in California. So I took that as my quote unquote sign to move to California instead of going to college to pursue a career in interior design. And what I realize now is that that's a really convenient way to avoid responsibility while also still accommodating other people. And what's so interesting about me neglecting my intuition when it comes to making big decisions is that I've done it before and I literally have not regretted it once. I've never second guessed myself or given myself reason to not trust me. I mean, in the case of my tattoos, which I believe I've talked about before, you know, I impulsively got something that is arguably the most permanent thing you can get, and I've never regretted it. I regretted the things I took time to think about before putting them on my body. I also remember the first band I openly committed to professing my adoration for, which was Evanescence. It was the first band I ever decided on my own that I really liked, not because my mom and dad liked it, my sister thought it was cool, but because I genuinely liked the sound of rock and juxtaposition with Amy Lee's operatic voice. And I remember my mom hated their music, and I was like, I love it! Still love it to this day, all these years later. There was another time where... I went out on my own and got a commercial agent that ultimately led to me booking my role in Dumb and Dumber 2 when at the time my manager was telling me not to bother because she didn't feel like I was commercial. Or if I had listened to her, I would not have been discovered in a commercial casting office to go then audition for Dumb and Dumber. So it has always worked out for me. I don't know why in these particular moments, I really second guess myself. And I think the only thing that I can really conclude is that sometimes it's hard to connect with your intuition when you're really inundated with feelings or pressure or responsibility. But more specifically, if you don't know what it is you really want. And I think that that 
is the primary focus of this particular episode. This story is such a powerful and poignant one for me because it was a tremendously pivotal moment in my life. I was forced to confront my wants and needs, and that ultimately effectively changed the course of my entire life. So here are the reasons I wasn't happy. I was auditioning relentlessly and to no avail. I was living with my ex in an apartment that was rent-controlled and very affordable, and neither of us wanted to move out because rent was getting so expensive elsewhere, and I didn't have a job to even feel like I was in a position to do that. I didn't have any prospects dating-wise, so I had no hope on the romantic front. I wasn't working on anything specifically, let alone meaningful or purposeful. I didn't have many single friends to take trips or travel with. A lot of my friends, in fact, were getting married and having babies, and then that was making me question if I wanted to get married and have babies, and if I did, how far away I was from even doing those things. I just felt really lost and really stuck, and I felt like at 33, I was back to where I was when I started at 18, and I was totally bored. My reasons for wanting to spend my birthday alone at that point was that I think I really had this deep hunkering and craving to do some self-reflection. To be honest, I'm not really sure how the idea of mushrooms even came to be. You know, the truth is, like, I'm I'm not to sound like my mother in episode two, but I really haven't had much experience with drugs. I've done marijuana, mushrooms now, and I just drink on occasion. I haven't tried anything else. And marijuana was kind of a game changer for me when I first tried it because it really helped my anxiety, which I didn't even know that I struggled with anxiety until I started smoking and eating it. But I think mushrooms was just the natural next step. And I think I determined that I was really maybe open to it finally and ready. And then when my friend Emily was like, hey, I've got this chocolate bar, I was kind of like, cool, this is the universe telling me it's time to do it. It's available to me. I should do it. And that was something my therapist at that time was actually trying to work with me on was avoiding obstacles and conflict and kind of yielding to the things that came a little bit easier in life. And we we talked about that briefly in episode five, and we saw what happened when I don't do that. It's, it's not doesn't make for a great situation, but it makes for a wonderful story, doesn't it? But so that was something that I was actively doing at this point, and I started paying attention to all of these signs or whispers from the universe about things that I should be doing. When we first got to the high desert, my friend Lillian and I went into this bar. And well, before we even got to the bar, we were driving up there. And just for shits and giggles, I was like, hey, can you look in? You heard this story. This was part of episode... This was part of episode five. I was telling her, like, could you look into some real estate for the area and, like, see how much houses are? And when I heard the prices, I was like, holy shit, I can actually afford a house? It was so crazy. So that was the first thing that, like, started to, like, come easy. And then I told her, I was like, could you imagine if I lived out here and I had all this land? Like, I would get a Great Dane. So then we go to this bar, and the first thing we see is this giant Great Dane that some lady had brought into the bar. The second thing we see is a wardrobe stylist that I had worked with on Awkward. And she was like, I live out here. And then the third thing that happened was my really good friend Blake has a house out here. And so I was like, oh my God, like all of these, the stars are aligning. Everything is pointing to me like buying property out here. So those were just things I started to pay attention to. Now, when I took the drugs on my birthday, 
Here's the thing about mushrooms. My friend Mark is right. They really are medicine. What kind of happens is everything that's not important falls away. And your subconsciousness kind of becomes the only form of consciousness, if that makes sense. So you're hyper in tune to your um, animal instincts. Things are just very black and white. They're crystal clear. It's simple. Things are not clouded by obligation or guilt or hesitancy or self-doubt. It's just it's just very matter-of-fact and simple. And so when we were driving out of the park, it was this beautiful, beautiful sunset. And I remember thinking, I don't remember if it's this pink or if it just seems this pink because I'm high, but this is really beautiful. And then we were passing a mountain and everything just snapped into focus like a Polaroid picture that finally is done processing. I was just like, oh my God, I have been missing everything. Like, The term, the gift of life, suddenly made sense to me. I was like, oh shit, this is why they call it a gift of life. And I realized I'd taken this present and I'd opened it, but I'd never opened the box and removed it from its packaging. In non-poetic layman's terms, I I had just never lived life. And that was kind of this crazy realization that I had that I couldn't believe. I'd been so focused on my career, and that had been my entire identity, my career as an actor, that I had never really lived for me. I was, wasn't even really living at all. In fact, all of these choices that I had made for the past decade weren't actually my decision fully. It was, you know, influenced by something one way or another. It was influenced by cosmic suggestion that I read into. It was influenced by my parents' encouragement or an obligation I felt to fulfill their sacrifice in whatever way that I could in the form of success as an actor. I never really took the time to think about what I really wanted. I was just go, 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 live life, live life. But I wasn't even really ever living, which is the irony. What's really interesting about your consciousness versus your unconsciousness or your subconsciousness versus your unconsciousness, the difference is you're not fucking there. (laughs) So the difference between your consciousness and your subconsciousness is that your subconsciousness has all the answers. We just have to unlock them and sift through the garbage of the consciousness to get to them. So again, going back to Mark saying mushrooms are medicine, mushrooms do help you do that. And this is why I'm sorry, I'm pro-drugs, as long as you're using drugs for their purpose. Don't abuse them. I've only done mushrooms the one time, and I felt like I really fucking needed them. They helped push me past this block that I couldn't get through on my own. And furthermore, they gave me awareness now of how to get around other blocks without their assistance, which is really beautiful and great. The woman that came out of my subconsciousness, ultimately, I've determined to be my highest self. And what I think your highest self really is, is your past, present, and future entities coming together as one to truly make you present and live in the moment, or as other people say, the fifth dimension. When I was making all these massive choices, moving out, leaving my manager, saying goodbye to friends that had been in my life for a really long time that I knew I knew all of these were the right decisions and I love the analogy of the tetherball rod because that is the best way to depict the feeling that I had running through my core I was so solid and so sure 
But then I was like running around outside like a frantic person like that tetherball trying to figure out what the fuck I was doing. But every time I turned inward, I never questioned what I was doing. I knew it was the right thing. I was just fucking terrified about what was going to happen because it was completely unknown. And I think when I really dissect it, the most terrifying aspect of it was that this was the first time I was making decisions fully on my own. And I had nothing to fall back on but myself. I had no one to blame but myself. This was a really fucking heavy responsibility that I was taking on. And this journey was going to be unlike anything I'd ever experienced. My subconscious was telling me that I needed to make a massive shift out of self-protection and preservation. And I wouldn't understand what that specifically meant until months later. And that will be the main focus of next season. So thank you guys so, so much for joining us. I really, really hope that you're enjoying this podcast. And I really hope that you come back and join us for next season. I've got some new ideas. I want to implement bringing on guests and really, really build the community of bitches. Thank you guys for all of your feedback and input and support and for being a fellow bitch. You are fucking bitchin'. As always, you can stay up to date by visiting howbitchesaremade.com and follow us on social media. Facebook and Instagram, we're at howbitchesaremade. And Twitter, we're at habamtweets. You can also follow me on my personal accounts across all platforms. I am at the Rachel Melvin. Make sure that you are following us so that you can know when we're back with season two. And um, yeah, you guys, this has been great. This has been really purposeful and fulfilling for me. And I really hope that you're getting as much out of it as I have. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next season. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.